Hoops Heaven proudly brings to you Basketball Hustle, featuring your host, the writer, Chris Pike, and the scoring machine, Sean Redditch. Now it's time for another episode of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle. Hello and welcome to another week of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle, and we've hit the business end now of the NBL Cup. We're into the fourth week of the tournament in Melbourne, and by Sunday night, we know, we'll know the winner. We'll know who's taking away that prize money. And then, come next week, we'll be back to somewhat of a normal regular season to close out the rest of this NBL season, which could still be going on for quite a lot longer. So that's good news for all of us basketball fans because there's plenty of incredible action. The start to this final week at the NBL Cup has already been incredible. We've got plenty to look forward to. We'll have the Tap Touch preview once again. We'll have the Demo Award thanks to Boomerang. And, of course, we're here thanks to Hoops Heaven. And I'm joined by the one and only scoring machine, Sean Redditch. Sean, how do we find you this week? Oh, look, it's uh, it's pretty hot here and, and humid here in mm, Perth. Feel like I'm is. in far north Queensland um, with the community that we got. But been an exciting couple uh, couple games last night with the uh, NBL Cup, and I'm uh, ready to uh, let's get into the action and talk about all that's happening around the NBL. Yeah, so much to talk about. We've got a big show planned, and as I said, we'll hear from Damian Martin with his. Best Defensive Player Award later on. Tap Touch Preview, where we will speak to the one and only Matty Knight as well. Plenty happening already. Let's have a let's just have a quick run through the recent results we've seen at the NBL Cup, Sean. So going back to the start of week three, the New Zealand Breakers beat the Brisbane Bullets 97 to 92, and then the Perth Wildcats beat the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix 93 to 92. Cairns Taipans got an important win, but it, they haven't been able to build that momentum. They beat the Sydney Kings. 96 to 92. Illawarra Hawks, similar to the Taipans, they beat the Adelaide 36ers 98 to 89. And then we saw the Brisbane Bullets. They're starting to build some real momentum. They beat the Perth Wildcats 95 to 92. Melbourne United got over the New Zealand Breakers 87 to 84. The Adelaide 36ers 81 winners over the Cairns Taipans 71. Sydney Kings 91 beat the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix 85. And then we saw the Brisbane Bullets beat Melbourne United 96 to 88, and the Perth Wildcats. This scoreline doesn't quite tell that full story. 87 over the Illawarra Hawks 70. So those were the games in week three. We'll get to week four shortly, Sean. Um, what stood out to you? What we saw in a pretty hectic five days of action. It was. I mean, there was a lot of close games that week. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're looking at yeah. the really only probably two games outside of ten points. So um, that's what you like to see. Um, during during the week, but I mean, you know, there's some. Each team looks like they they got a win, but um, there's some teams that you're you're kind of wondering where they're going to go. Yeah, I think they're kind of at that pivotal point in the season. Are they going to really drop the ball here, or are they going to pick up and um, you know get back into into the running? You know, for me, the the worrying sign, and we'll probably touch about it in a little bit, but the the tie pants. Um, just mm-hmm. don't seem they can find some consistency. The Hawks, outside of beating the 36ers, haven't looked good for a while. Um, and so there, there, there's some worrying songs. But, you know, I like what I'm seeing from the Breakers. I think that they're yeah. uh, really picking things up. And probably unfortunate they haven't been able to play any home games to kind of get themselves, you know, a couple wins while they're not playing that well. But, you know, I think with the way they're playing now, you can't discount them from – getting into that top four if they can uh, continue oh, right. the form yeah. they're at. Absolutely. All of a sudden, we feel like they've had a horrible season, but all of a sudden their record is four and seven and 
there's a long way to go in the season. So they're, they're right in the mix. Pretty, pretty keen to start on what we saw Wednesday night, start week four of the NBL Cup, Sean. And it, funnily enough, it starts with the New Zealand Breakers. So they didn't have Corey Webster. They're still missing Lamar Patterson and they're, they're still missing Rob Lowe, but they're playing some great basketball right now. It looks like they've got their chemistry right. And, and that game, that finish to that game against the Cairns Taipans, offensive rebound for Tom Abercrombie, turns around and hit, hits a three without really even looking at the basket. And it just never looked like missing. Incredible way to finish a game. Um, I'm happy for Abercrombie as well. This has been a tough time for him and his family being away from them, maybe more than most of his teammates for the last four months. I'm sure hitting a game winner like that, you can feel a lot better about life pretty quickly. Yeah, it kind of takes being on the road for so long uh, a little bit more manageable. I mean, it was, you're not going to find a better finish than that. I mean, mm. you're watching, the, it looks like, you know, they're going to get the rebound, the tie pants, it's going to go to overtime. And then, you know, Abercrombie just steps up and hits that dagger. That was a tough shot. And sometimes those shots are a little bit easier to take than, say, if you had a wide-open three or a Mm -hmm. wide-open layup or something. You know you just got to put that shot up. Um, There's no time. You're not – you don't think about that shot at all. And just, you know, his athleticism on show there where he's able to turn in one motion – face the basket, fading away, knocked down a huge three to get him a win and really kind of save their season as well to get them back in. You know, I mean, you're looking at they're probably only two or three games outside of getting into the top four. So that's that's more manageable than when you're sitting probably four or five at that stage. So um, great win for for the Breakers. And, and they probably deserve that and uh, credit to them with if without Corey Webster as well. I mean – yeah. Corey and Ty have been playing outstanding over the last couple of weeks. So to lose one of your dynamic duos, um, credit to Thomas Abercrombie for stepping up and, and playing good 20 points, uh, good performance mm-hmm. by him. We haven't seen that for a little while from him. No, he's best game of the season. Um, I wanted to ask you about, about Tom as well. You know the breakers very well. You know Tom, at least on the court, pretty well from all of your battles over the years. Um, you know a lot of his teammates well. You saw Kirk Penny. You saw... CJ Bruton, you saw Mika Vakona. Um, where do you put Tom Abercrombie in that list of greatest breakers of all time? Oh, look, I think you've, he's got to be considered in there. I, I think the one thing that impressed me about Abercrombie was he probably came into the league just as this athletic kind of forward and then really developed his three-point shot. Yeah. But a thing that I think made him most dangerous was, was just his defensive ability and his positioning. Mm-hmm. He seemed to really protect the basket, good rebounder, um, just kind of slot in his role. He never needed to be the go-to guy, but there were some times where he was. You know, he'd step up and score 25 or 30 yeah. in, in a night, but he was probably never the guy to, to consistently do that. And he's, he's also, you know, I give him credit for kind of evolving his game. You know, he's not the quick first step where he's always going to beat his defender now, but he's you know, he's knocking down the threes, playing his role defensively. I still think there was a um, a grand final. We we had the, the breakers on the ropes. Abercrombie blocked my shot, I think, at the end of the game, um, in game game three of the NBL finals, which I think kind of cost us um, a potential championship there as well. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we had some great battles against him. A lot of respect for, for the way he goes about it. And I guess, you know, his ability to – 
to have that longevity. I love that he's, you know, he's played his whole career there with the Breakers. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen that much anymore. So credit to him and, and just his loyalty to the club as well. Absolutely. Also, the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix got a win Wednesday night and they won with Ryan Brokoff still not in the team. Still no Kiefer Sykes, who had probably been their best player along with Mitch Creek all season so far. We still haven't seen Dane Pino. I guess with those guys out, there was a role for Kendall Stevens to play, but he was injured as well. Adam Gibson, we haven't seen for a little while now. That could be a starting five for some clubs. They were missing all of those players, but they were still able to beat Melbourne United in overtime. What can that win do for a team like that, especially now knowing that, that Brokoff is about to, to make his debut? Oh, a big win. I mean, and to do it against your your rivals who everyone's predicting to be uh, the champions. And, you know, we, we've spoken about it in the past that they think they're going to win every game. And uh, for, for the Phoenix to come in down so many key guys is, uh, you got, has to give them a lot of confidence against a good team, a great team in Melbourne United who had almost their entire team back. You know, they got Chris Golding back, Shea Ilias back. They're missing Jack White. But outside of that, you know, that's a oh, full... Hobson, Hobson, Hobson. And too. Hobson, yeah, and, and Hobson, sorry. But, we, you know, we haven't seen the, the great Scotty Hobson that we've seen oh. last year yet. So, you know, I think that, you know, Melbourne United are the favorites and, and they've been able to get wins. But, uh, you know, huge win for Phoenix and uh, credit to them being able to withstand so many guys out and find a way to win. Well, touching on Melbourne, let's let's get to them now. Do they need to use that second import spot, or are you happy that when they get fully fully fit again, that they've got enough there to make a title run? Oh, look, they've got enough to make a title run. Um, I guess the the concern will be my concern would be an injury to you know like a Jock Landale or yeah. a Mitch McCarron, who's kind of that glue guy who fills a lot of that role. Those two guys are, are ones that, uh, you know, if there is, I guess, and that's the other thing Melbourne United might have up their sleeve is be able to go get an import, but, mm -hmm. you know, the timing's got to be right as well as far as being able to get them to go over here, get cleared, and play enough games mm -hmm. if, it, if it gets down to it down the stretch. So, you know, they've recruited well. There's probably not much left in the budget there to go get another, another guy. <laughs> no, but I think if no. they've got their team healthy and and full they're they're the favorites on paper no doubt yeah i still think so too um not so much of the cans taipans i don't think anyone saw this coming we thought that the fact that they were able to bring back most of their team from last year um without dj newbel but you know every team has lost a third import so as as much as they miss newbel um i don't think we can keep using that as an excuse because if you took oliver or machado out of that team instead um they would be missing them as well. Is it fixable what's happening at the Taipans right now? Because I I think they might have thought that they turned a corner again when they did beat the Sydney Kings last week and Nate Jawai had a dominant game, but then they put in a really poor performance against Adelaide and then they lost again last night. Are the problems fixable from what you say? Look, I, I, I don't think that they're going to be one of those teams that, that gets back into contention for the top four. They'll surprise some teams just by the fact mm. they've got you know, Scott Machado and Cam Oliver, two of the best imports in the league. But, I mean, you look at the other starters from the other night. Marco, Marco Jarek, eight points. I mean, he did hit that mm -hmm. big three, but, you know, two for five. Chris Levich. Terrible, terrible shot still, wasn't it? I mean, I know it went in, but what's the percentage of that shot going in that he took at the end? Yeah, I mean, and that's just him. I mean, that's just he's going to take those big shots. Sometimes it's going to come off. But, yeah. you know, and you got Chris Levich, four points. And Quatnoy two points. So your three other starters are giving you fourteen on 
five for 17 shooting. Um, and I know it's not about scoring, but they need more from their, their other guys. Mojave King's starting to find a little bit of form, but mm-hmm. outside of that, um, I just don't think they're getting enough from the other guys to really, you know, make a push to consistently beat these top echelon teams. So I, I'd be concerned. And, you know, at what point do they start looking to the future as well mm-hmm. and determining, hey, are these guys going to be a part of it? Um, It'll be interesting to see when the NBL comes out and makes those calls about a third import. Because if you look at that Taipan's team and says, and they say, the NBL comes out and says, next year we're going to have a third import. Well, then you might say, well, we know Machado. We know Cam Aller. We know these other guys kind of fit into those spots. And they both did sign two-year contracts too. Yeah, so if we can get Newble back, we know that that's a championship caliber team. So, um, you know, or do they kind of start working different routes and figuring out, hey, look, this combination is not going to work. We need to make some changes. So, um, but I just, you know, I don't think, uh, I don't think any of us really saw this big of drop from, from their performance last year and how great they were. So, uh, mm. You know, it's it, it's a shame if you're a Taipans fan, but that's just that's just part of the NBL. It's going to get better mm. and better each year, and you got to make sure you're improving as well. Absolutely, um, fascinating story at the Elora Hawks as well. We marvelled at how well they started the season, winning those first four games, knowing that Cam Besto and Dengadel were still to come back into the team, both with NBA past. They both played in the NBA before, but since they've come back in, the chemistry seems to be off and. Ryan Gorgian's acknowledged it. He knows that his the chemistry hasn't been right since his rotation has grown. So it's interesting to he- hear him talk about it um, after every game. But since since Bersto and Dengadel have come back, their record is only three and six, or three yeah three and six, and they're really struggling. What what do you put it down to? Why why has their chemistry got worse while on paper they should have got more talented? Yeah, I mean, just because you add in two talented players doesn't mean that's necessarily going to be equate to more success on the court. Um, I, you know, I wouldn't blame it solely on that. I do think Dang Adele is one of those guys, he looks like he's never going to really create for anyone else. Like, he's got mm-hmm. some great offensive moves, but, you know, if they don't go in... They're one-on-one moves, though, aren't they? Yeah, they're all one-on-one. They're all in kind of isolation, kind of that NBA style of play. Yep. Um, where if they don't come off, you've got four other guys just kind of watching him go to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's never it's never a move where he's actually getting by his guy and then creating yeah. rotations where then he's kicking out. It's all kind of that mid-range kind of stuff. Yeah. So, um, it, it, you know, it's not, uh, it's not conducive to great team play. I mean, there's going to be games where you kind of got to go through them and, and, you know, if he gets hot. But I think they've got a fun – that, you know, Justinian Jessup is going to be – he's a rookie. He's going to be up and down. At the moment, he's down. So, they've got to find a way to get him going again. So, um, And then you just got the pure – teams are adjusting. You know, they know that what Harvey's going to do. They know that floater's going to come, and they've got to step up to it a little bit sooner than, uh, than normal because most guys don't have a floater from that far out. So, there's little things like that that teams have adjusted, and they're going to have to make an adjustment. But, you know, if you watch them against the Wildcats – I mean, that was a demolition by the Walker. I mean, that's some of the yeah. best basketball I've seen them play, and Hawks just weren't at that level. So uh, maybe that's a wake-up call. You know, we saw this a couple of years ago when I think the Wildcats beat Melbourne United by 30, 
25 mm-hmm. or 30 over there. And that was the wake-up call for United. They ended up going on to win the NBL title that year. So yeah. you never know. I'm not saying that the Hawks are going to go on and win the title. Sometimes you really need a good beating to say, oh, we need to make some changes. Let's figure it out. And, you know, if there's a coach that can make those changes, I think Gorgian's the guy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Nathan Sobey is someone I wanted to get your thoughts on. He's had a great season the whole way through, but as soon as that Boomer squad came out and he wasn't in it, his game has gone to another level. He, I mean, he's rising up in your your votes for the All Player of the Year award, thanks to Hoops Heaven. He's got to be in the MVP calculations. Um, how much do you think that Boomer snub spurred him on, or do you think he's just playing at a high level because he's because he just is? Oh, look, I think any player at that level has a bit of pride about themselves so you know he's been in that boomers program and i don't know particulars about it and how how it all how it all worked how it all went down if you received a phone call saying he's not into it but it would hurt i mean if you're in the program and then you're not um mm. it would hurt so uh you, you know i i some people might say it's just a coincidence. I don't think so. I think he's got a point to prove, and uh, he's saying, "Look, you guys are are talking about all these other guys. What about me?" I know, you know, he's kind of been up and down in his career, and kind of everyone thought he'd kind of make that leap once he went to Brisbane, but he's made the leap now, and mm-hmm. it's not like he's doing it for one game or two games. He's doing it consistently, and now his team is winning as well. That's what I love mm-hmm. about it too. They're playing well. He's got this chemistry with Vic Law, and his team's winning, so credit to, to Nathan Sobey. And does that change the Boomers? Does he then get included down the track? Because you know there's going to be injuries and people that pull yeah. out, so I could see him being that next on the list. Well, if Bryce can still be at it, then why can't Sobey? Oh, that would be interesting. Well, maybe they should have like a one-on-one battle to see who gets added. <laughs> That would be a that would be made for TV, right there. That'd be a that'd be a hell of a good a good one on one game to watch. If you were going to pick two guys in the NBL, they would just to be just about be your one and two picks, wouldn't they? Oh yeah, I mean, athletic can shoot it. They uh, they know how to play. I mean, that would be a fun fun one on one battle. Let's set it up. <laughs> well, they're both going to feature heavily in your your votes in the Player of the Year award, thanks to Hoop Seven as well, Sean. So why don't you run through your one, two, three, four, and five vote, vote getters for round eight and week three at the NBL Cup. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you can't look past Bryce Cotton and what the Wildcats are doing. I know they went down during the week. I think every team did, but, you know, just, mm. and that was to the bullets, but, I, you know, just the way he's playing and he's just, uh, he's got massively in control of of the game and himself and, and knows pick his spots. Uh, you know, we keep saying he keeps getting better and better, but he does. He keeps getting better and yeah. better, which is scary because he's a two-time MVP and and some consider one of the greatest players to ever play in the league. So uh, five points to Bryce Cotton this week, four points. We've talked about Nathan Sobey. I think the other one, three points to Ty Webster. You know, mm-hmm. the breakers are starting to play pretty well. He's been a big key in that. Um, you could almost throw in Corey in there as well. Um, mm. two to John Mooney and then one to Jock Landale. So, um, you know, things are starting to kind of figure themselves out on our leaderboard. And, uh, you know, looking at it, I like where it's at at the moment. I've got a new leader on the Hoop 7 leaderboard. Bryce Cotton is now out on top with 17 votes. He's ahead of Isaac Humphreys, 15, Tyler Harvey, 13. And then Nathan Sobey's the other big mover on 12. Vic Law's back on 8. Casper Way 7. Mitch Creek, 7. John Mooney, 7. But... Yeah, looking at that, Isaac Humphreys and Tyler Harvey with a with a fast starters, but Cotton and Sobey are the other informed players right now. 
Yeah, I think that's about right. I mean, um, you know, Isaac Humphreys was having an unbelievable year until he got injured. To me, the ones to watch probably are Sobey and Mitch Creek. I think he's kind of yeah. a dark horse in there as well. Um, you know, he's got to, you got to think he's going to pick up some votes this week with uh, 31 points against Melbourne United. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I kind of have him as an outsider in there as well at the moment. Yep, absolutely. So we'll keep an eye on that, thanks to Hoops Heaven. But when we come back, Sean, let's take a deep breath. We'll let... Damien Martin take over with the Damo Award thanks to Boomerang. Then we'll have the Tap Touch preview and then we'll be back to, to wrap things up. Thanks, Damo, for joining us once again here. Thanks to Boomerang on the Damo Award. You must be loving what you're seeing right now with the NBL Cup. Two games pretty much every single day of the week, and most games are close. We're seeing some incredible action, including last night, the start to this final week, that Tom Abercrombie buzzer beater, and then an overtime game between the two Melbourne teams. It's unbelievable action. It, it was that Abercrombie, you know, fading away, turning around. Oliver makes a huge defensive play. Mm-hmm. He blocks the shot on Webster, and then he actually is the one that tips it out. Mm. Now, funny things can happen in the last few seconds. More often than not, you just go for the rebound. He's going for the tip out thinking he's doing the right thing in the the dying seconds, just get it away from the ring and fell into the wrong person's hands. So that was an incredible way to start the round. And then to back it up with an overtime game, you know, with both Melbourne teams, it was just sensational. I still can't believe Jock Landau doesn't get more touches than what he currently does. You know, obviously, I think a lot of people were surprised to see Chris Golding benched for most of overtime. But at the end of the game, end of the first few games in the round, it was just a brilliant way to get a beginning. And then uh, obviously some more games today. Those minutes restrictions are are a funny thing. I think we saw... I think early in the season, I think Adam Ford was limited in how much he could play Jarrell Martin from memory, and there was games where he looked like being able to dominate, and he wasn't able to play him for for more than the allotted time. How frustrating is it to be on a on a minutes restriction? I'm sure later in your career, when you come back from some of those calf injuries, it probably happened to you a little bit. Oh, I can't imagine coach or player, like especially with involving Chris Goulding. Yeah. You know, he be out there big time and imagine looking down your bench as a head coach knowing you know one of your best players one of the best players in the league uh, you've come to an agreement with probably the conditioning coach and team doctor that you're not going to play more than X amount of minutes but yeah, credit to him he, he uh, lived up to the fact that he wasn't going to play more than the minutes they uh, came up with before the game and who knows maybe he'll come back to haunt them down the stretch but at the end of the day it is it's part of the game if you're coming back from an injury if you've got a little tweak here or a minor tear there, you know, basically my whole last season I was on minute restrictions, mm-hmm. so I didn't train. And then for the games, I wasn't allowed to play more than 15 minutes. So it, it is super frustrating because when the adrenaline gets going and the blood's flowing, mm-hmm. you, you feel great, to be yeah. honest. I mean, some injuries you can obviously feel the whole time being played through it. And so once the momentum of the game starts and you hear the crowd roar, you just want to play as much as possible for as long as possible. And then when you get benched, it upsets your rhythm. And for a guy that's a shooter like Chris Golding, mm-hmm. Now, you upset timing and rhythm, and it's hard to get in the flow of the game. So I know the big picture is let's just get a few minutes into his legs after returning from that injury. Uh, but, you know, he needs to see, you know, stints of five or six minutes at a time mm. to really get the flow going, get his eye in. But he'll be back better than ever. But obviously, as a spectator, at the time, you just want to see him subbed in. But, you know, maybe if he'd gone in and overdone it with the calf, he'd be missing three or four more weeks uh, opposed to, you know, being benched and having to watch from the sideline for the first three minutes of overtime. 
Now, Sean talked just before when he was given he giving his player of the year votes, and he thinks Bryce Cotton and Nathan Sobey are probably the best two players in the league just about right now. Mm. If you were still playing, you'd be guarding at least one of those, and you'd be guarding Bryce at training. Do they look stoppable from what you see from them? Oh, they're just the funny thing about Sobey is he, <laughs> Bryce is Bryce. Mm. <laughs> I know that's a way to get away from it, but he just is who he is. He lets the game come to him uh, in the fourth quarter, in particular. He'll take it over. He's still a facilitator, he plays defense, but he does that you know, every single game and has done so for four years. The thing I love about Sobey is just by watching him, you feel like, okay, and, and Adnam actually has this about him at the moment as well. Mm-hmm. You just feel like they want to make something happen every single time they have the ball. And at the moment, they are making something happen, mm-hmm. and, and more often than not, it's positive. So you combine you know, Sobey's desire, it almost feels like, to go and prove a point. I, I haven't spoken to him. I'm 100% jumping to conclusions here. But him getting, or not getting cut, but him not making the Mm. Boomer squad, you know, whether he's playing with a chip on his shoulder or whatever it may be, or or determination to get back into that squad and and to go to the Olympic Games, he has been brilliant. And the the skill level he's got, the athleticism and the fitness, and the way he's shooting the ball, uh, he has been brilliant. So no coincidence that they're the top two uh, of the leading point scorers in the league so far. But yeah, I I just think Sobey right now, he's Scoring in such an array of ways, whether it's half spin moves into a full spin move, reverse layups, pull up jumpers, pull up threes, stop and pop if you go under. You know, you you probably want to get the hand, the ball out of his hands. I'm not Bryce. You know, he's going to get double teamed. Mm. So the the special thing about Bryce is the leading scorer of the league. Yet the whole game plan depends about stopping Bryce. <laughs> when yep. when you play Brisbane, obviously Sobe is a focal point, but you're still addressing. You know, uh, Vic Law or, or Orlando, like whoever still the, the teammates. So they don't get doubled. Toby doesn't get doubled as mm-hmm. much. Uh, he gets the best defender, opposition's yeah. defender, but doesn't get doubled as much or denied the ball or blued or switching defenses. So he has been brilliant. But for me, you know, with Sean saying those two names, obviously Isaac Humphreys being out injured hurts his mm-hmm. selection right now. But, you know, I. I I hate to, hate to agree to Sean, but in this <laughs> case, I have to. I think both of those players have been brilliant. Now, let's get to your votes in the Damo Award, thanks to Boomerang for round eight. Now, is it fair to say if you could have, you would have given the three, the two, and the one to Sunday Deck this week? <laughs> Look, uh, he, he was just, I thought he was just absolutely brilliant uh, in the way he handled himself. In, you know, obviously, it's, it's never an easy matchup guarding any opponent, uh, point guard, but for him in particular to come out and do what he did over the weekend. I'm trying to think what the play was. I want to say there was about 90 seconds to go. Trying to shoot a three-pointer. You know, cans are closed. He's guarding last year's runner-up MVP mm-hmm. and to block the shot. And then yep. he's gone up to the ball. And then a foul was called, which may have been the fourth foul for Machado. or fifth. Right, yeah. yeah, and like, it's just huge play after huge play. So, whether it's just being that defender that's using his wingspan and his athleticism to disrupt shots, disrupt passes, upset timing. I just spoke about the importance of rhythm and timing for a shooter like Chris Goulding. That's across the league. And when you can disrupt a pass, all of a sudden that split second that's gone from a chest pass to a bounce pass, that disrupts rhythm and timing. Or you might have to use a wider angle to pass because of his wingspan. So now instead of the guy you're passing it to catching Robert on the three-point line, He's having to stretch out to catch it and maybe it takes him an extra step outside of it. And those little things add up. And I just thought this may have been, against Cairns, sorry, I'm talking about, yeah. may have been Sunday's best performance of the season defensively, which, you know, obviously speaks volumes considering he's, you know, has had a great season already. 
Absolutely. I think it's the best job I've ever seen anyone do on Scott Machado, so I, I can't argue. Now, the two votes, we couldn't ignore him two weeks in a row. So we've got this guy <laughs> in the votes for this week. La Alpha. La Alpha, is that yep. right? Yep. He, and, I, and I watched him again last night. Obviously, you know, with Kiefer Sykes out, let's open up the door for a few more minutes. Adnam has you know, grabbed the opportunity with two hands starting at that point guard position and really dominating. But it's also meant a guy who may not have had many minutes, if any, in the first few rounds of the season is now not only getting thrown out there for a couple of minutes, but he was brilliant. And, you know, he's backing himself to shoot some shots. I think he'd want to take back his scoop pass. There was a layup to touch nothing, but his scoop layup, sorry. But other than that, at the defensive end, he's getting up and in. He caused an eight-second violation last week. He got a couple of steals this week. He's just so disruptive. So some guys have the ability to crawl right into you. And they're the ones that make you question, okay, maybe I shouldn't do any crossovers here um, or between the legs. I've got to be safe with the ball. And he is that type of guy. So what Sunday has in speed, athleticism, and an amazing read on the game, you can see that in Laafa as well. And, and the more opportunity he gets, the more annoying he will uh, become mm. for opposing point guards because he's just going to keep backing himself and realize he can do it against the game's elite. So I thought he was brilliant again, like I said last round. He was unlucky to miss out, and he only did because of a lack of minutes. He was too good men to go past this yeah. week. One vote. I'm glad you've acknowledged Vic Law as well. We've seen what he can do offensively, but I think he's been underrated defensively as well. You don't often get imports that play both ways, but but he's really taking taking his job defensively seriously. Yeah, Vic Law for the one point, and he'll probably credit his moustache. Uh, he's very proud of it. But you're right. Week in, week out, he's getting a few block shots here, a couple of deflections there, staying in front of his man and in a stance. And looks like he actually prides himself in getting stops. So you're right. Some people will say that the buckets pay the bills. Uh, and in particular, when you're an import, you're expected to put the ball through the hole. But I think Vic Law as you said, has been underestimated at the defensive end. And he gets given some tough assignments, you know, whether it's a Mitch Creek one week or a smaller guy out on the perimeter the next, but he's living up to it. So, yeah, could have gone to a few guys. That, you know, Nordo was very, very close again to getting some points. I thought Mitch Norton, you know, for all juniors out there, just watch how he keeps his hands up. He, he just doesn't give the refs a reason to call a foul. That's probably the best way to put it, and he stays in front of his defender. So, no, I thought uh, Norto was great again, but, yeah, for this week, unfortunately, mate, you're going to sit in fourth place where there's no votes. <laughs> <laughs> now, I won't tell you the leaderboard, but I think you're fully aware who's on top of the leaderboard. Now, Sunday has a big week ahead of him. Tell me what's tell me how he's going to go, firstly against Nathan Sobey on Thursday night and then against Bryce Cotton on Sunday. Well, this is when you get most excited as a defender because you do have the two best perimeter players in form right now Mm. coming in that are going to have the ball in their hands a lot. You're going to be required to play defense every single possession. There's some guys when they play in the two or the three spot, you know they're going to sit in a corner and just wait for a kick out to shoot it. With the ball in Bryce's hands and the ball in Sobey's hands, you know you're going to be down in a stance for 38 minutes of the game. So, look, we're going to see what he's made of. He is a great defender. This won't change that regardless of the results. But is he an elite one? I think this round will determine that. So he'll be up for the challenge. I like to think there's probably four guys who are just out of this world and he's in that fitness category, and as are Sobey and Bryce Cotton. The other one went healthy. Unfortunately, he's probably missed out now because he's actually injured, but Kiefer Sykes. I think Kiefer Sykes, Sunday Detch, uh, Bryce and Sobes are the four fittest guys in the league, and it's going to be uh, interesting watching both ends of the court. 
Now, just finally, before I let you go, Damo, who will end up with that big check come Sunday night when the NBL Cup finishes? Well, <laughs> I think if the Wildcats can get the get at least one win, they're going to be hard to chase down. Obviously, Brisbane, uh, Melbourne, you know, Melbourne dropping last night, seriously hurt. So it will come down to the last game, but unless the Wildcats, if the Wildcats win this, and then, you know, I think they'd have to drop all four quarters and not get any points. So it's definitely the Wildcats to lose from here on out. And just quickly on the Wildcats and speaking defense for this segment, a big shout out to Tommy Jervis. It's so close to getting the quickest foul out of all time <laughs> in the NBL. <laughs> uh, and, and he would have taken the place of a former teammate yeah. and good friend of Cam Toby. So I think the record three minutes and 47 seconds mm-hmm. for the fastest foul out in the five-foul five game. The, the best thing about both of these scenarios is neither of the players got sent out there to foul. It wasn't <laughs> the game where quickly go where some fouls need to send with the free throw line. It was <laughs> during the course of a 40-minute game, they nearly racked up, or he nearly racked up five in less than four minutes. So, Tommy J, keep your hands out, mate, but I'm proud. <laughs> you know, I was texting over the time saying, flicking on, if you can survive one more possession, your record still exists and anyone knows Toves. A record's a record, so he's proud mm. of it. <laughs> I would have loved it if you were sitting next to Toves on the couch watching that game while that was happening. Yeah, we have watched a few to yeah. few together. Unfortunately, that one, we uh, just had to text and go back and forth and share our thoughts. And deep down, I love Tommy, and I'm glad he's playing great basketball and back in the Wildcats jersey. But for the sake of getting that record, I actually was hoping he picked up that last hour quickly. He, he's still got plenty of time. He could still easily do it. He could do it this weekend. Um, we'll see. We'll see. As long as, as, long as he's, uh, the Wildcats are winning and he doesn't get ripped, then I'm, I'm fine with it. Absolutely. Um, a lot of fun, Damo, once again. Thanks to Boomerang for making it happen. We'll come back next week and see what you think of what we see to finish the NBL Cup, but I'll let you go for now, and thanks for joining us. Loving the NBL Cup. Bring on the last round of it. Cheers, mate. Okay, time for the Tap Touch preview now here on Hoop7's Basketball Hustle, and make sure you head to taptouch.com.au and and check out what check out what Maddie and Sean are checking out to see what sort of bets stick out to you. And they're trying to raise money for charity, but at the same time, we're hoping to help you find some winners as well. So do your best at taptouch.com.au and remember to gamble responsibly. Now, now Maddie, we're coming into well, we've already started now the last week at the NBL Cup. Um, a lot of teams are well. We're seeing teams like the Wildcats, like the Bullets like the Phoenix and probably still Melbourne playing some great basketball. We're seeing probably the Hawks and the Taipans starting to struggle. And you called this one. The break is starting to play better. Um, what do you make of what you're seeing so far? Yeah, well, once again, uh, carry on the way it's been all season where uh, you think one team's playing some pretty good basketball and they get upset by in a game they're probably expected to win. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, now Perth obviously showing their dominance. Obviously, you're probably upset that loss against Brisbane, but then bounced back with another win. Mm. Um, yeah, New Zealand, it was only a matter of time before it started to click. Um, obviously, a huge win with the buzzer beater. Yeah. But yeah, no, um, it's going to be interesting last week, that's for sure. Absolutely. Now, that, let's find out what you, you think about what we're going to see. So, as you, as you touched on, already on Wednesday night, we saw the Breakers win on the buzzer thanks to. Tom Abercrombie over the Taipans, and then we saw the Phoenix beat United in overtime. So now Thursday, things get underway with the early starting game. Interesting one, this one. Brisbane Bullets playing great, coming off wins over Perth. 
Perth and Melbourne. But then the Adelaide 36ers, surprisingly, still without their new import, Brandon Paul, and still without Isaac Humphreys, but they're coming off a win too against the Cairns Taipans. Yeah, no, this will be another interesting game. I feel like these two teams have played each other <laughs> a few times already this year. So uh, they'll know each other's uh, game plan inside out, but um, yeah, I think Brisbane um, come off a lot of confidence, especially two wins probably against the top two sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, you take a lot of confidence from that. Adelaide, uh, big win against Cairns, but with Cairns, you just never know what Cairns team you're going to get. Mm. But I think, um, yeah, Brisbane with uh, two big wins. Uh, coming to the last week, you want to finish well. They're still in contention, so I, I think Brisbane. Yeah, hard to go past them. Um, this one's a really tough one. The Sydney Kings, they're still playing well despite still not being fully healthy. And they lose Daniel Kickett for this one, but they get Gerald Martin back. And then they've got the Illawarra Hawks who are coming off that that horrible performance against the Wildcats. Yeah, once again, um, the Hawks, they started so well, and oh. yet now they're, um, they're struggling, and they got their backsides handed to them by a pretty uh, strong Perth Wildcat team. But I know Gorgian wasn't happy with their performance, so um, instead they haven't been playing team basketball. Mm-hmm. So I imagine they, uh, they'll bounce back in this one, but yeah, kick it to out, and uh, Martin Ingham, Two opposite two different players, really. Martin's yeah. that big inside presence, while Kickett's going to stretch the floor. So I think, um, I reckon the Hawks will get up this one in a close one. Mm-hmm. Now, Friday night, this will be a, a cracking game. Um, we know the rivalry. You were part of this rivalry for a long time. The Wildcats up against the Breakers. This this should be a, a really good game. Yeah, no, it's probably the two, probably a couple of form sides yeah. of the competition right now. It's, First win, you almost back them into winning the NBL Cup, mm-hmm. but um, it's that close. You wouldn't want to drop one now. But, um, yeah, I think Perth just playing too good of basketball right now. That rivalry, yeah, it was some closely fierce battles back in the day. But mm-hmm. a lot of the New Zealand guys are still there. Corey's back, Todd Long at Crombie. Yeah, um, yeah. Perth, you've only got really got Jesse left, so maybe they'll start a new rivalry. But I think Perth uh, should get this one, even though New Zealand's starting to play some good basketball. Uh, Bryce and uh, Mooney are playing mm-hmm. some really good basketball. And like I said last week, probably the best one-two import combination in the league. Absolutely. Then second up on Friday, Kent's Thai fans just have to show something, but it's going to be tough because I think we probably expect Brokoff to play for the Phoenix. Kiefer Sykes has a chance to return. And the Phoenix are coming off that big win over Melbourne United. Yeah. Um, I think uh, Kent's are in a bit of trouble in this game. As you said, Brokoff's back. Huge win. Last night for South East, I think they're just going to start building yep. from this uh, last night's game. Huge to upset your crosstown rival. But yeah, some big ins coming in, and um, I think they're only going to get more dangerous as the, as the season goes on. And um, yeah, I think uh, South East quite easy in this game. Yeah, I mean, things are starting to look a little bit ugly for Cairns. Um, Saturday, another, another interesting one. Um, a lot will depend on how both of these teams go first up on Thursday, but then the Bullets back up against the Kings to start off on Saturday. Yeah, this is a game, um, if Brisbane get a win on today, uh, this is a game you wouldn't want to drop. Mm. Um, it's a danger game for Brisbane. Obviously, if they, if they do get a win, that's three straight and heading into a game they should win, but Sydney's not going to back down from any challenge, knowing 40. He'll have the boys ready to go, but if Brisbane want any chance of uh, 
success in this cup. This is a game that yep. they've got to win. They drop that, then it's too much out of contention. So yeah, it could be a lot of money on I the think, line. Exactly. I think uh, yeah, Brisbane to Brisbane to get a win because uh, they've got a lot to play for. Yeah, absolutely. Now this one's interesting too. Um, only a couple of weeks ago, we still thought Melbourne United might be able to follow up what Jock Landale said and go through undefeated. They've now lost um, three games and they've lost two in a row. Um, but they take on the Illawarra Hawks, who, as we said, have been struggling before they play on Thursday. So we'll learn a little bit more. But how do you think they'll go on Saturday? Yeah, no, I expect the Melbourne United team to come out very desperate. Um, they wouldn't be happy with the way they're playing right now, especially having a, a huge amount of home games. Mm-hmm. Um, you wouldn't want to drop too many before they get on the road. Um, yeah, I think uh, Melbourne United will be pretty upset with the way they've been playing. Um, Obviously, losing overtime. Your cross-town rival's going to hurt you too. Um, yeah, a lot of pressure and expectations were put on this Melbourne United team. And um, sometimes if you're not used to it, can um, hinder your yeah. performance. The Hawks, yeah, who knows? Mm-hmm. We've got that game beforehand. If mm-hmm. they uh, drop that one, you expect a, a desperate Illawarra team to come out because mm-hmm. you don't want to drop too many and fall behind that top four. But I'm expecting Melbourne United to bounce back quite comfortably. Yeah, I, I think so too. Now, Sunday, the final final day of the NBL Cup. So we'll find out who ends up taking away that money on Sunday. Starting with, if both these teams win their first game that we've talked about, then both these teams could be in that running to finish in one of those top three positions. So it starts with the Breakers against the Phoenix. Yeah, this is a this is going to be an interesting game. Um, it'll be Brian's second game with the Phoenix. Both come off wins and... Yeah, they're going to be in contention. Um, but then again, if Perth get up over New Zealand, then they're going to come out desperate as well. But I think, uh, yeah, I I really like what South East is building right now. And add a, an international star like Ryan Brokoff, and you're playing some good basketball already. I think, uh, like I said earlier, South East is going to start building, South Melbourne is going to start building something special. And I think they're going to use this uh, cup to kickstart their season. Yeah. I think so too. And then we all finish off with the oldest rivalry in the league, the Wildcats and the 36ers, and, and Perth could very much be playing for, for all of that prize money. Yeah, exactly. You imagine if Perth beat New Zealand, then um, they're going to come in full of confidence in this one, and the first spot will be there to lose. So, yeah, Adelaide, I just think with their injuries, uh, it's taking its toll. Obviously, they've been playing quite well, but, um, yeah. Right now, this first team's playing some pretty good basketball, and I just don't see anyone from Adelaide staying with Bryce Cotton. Mm. Um, Sunday's a great guard, but uh, I still think Bryce is just in, another, in his own uh, league right now. Yep. Um, he's do, he's scoring, but he's also getting others involved. So it's not like he's a one man team. Um, he's making sure other guys are getting involved, and that's what's making Perth so dangerous. Oh. So I expect Perth. Play for first in the NBL Cup, so they're going to come out and just uh, dominate this game from start to finish. Yeah, it's hard to see anything else, especially when Humphreys isn't there for Adelaide. So John Mooney could really have a have a day out as well. So we'll see how you go, Matty. We'll come back next week and check out those tips, and we'll have a few more days in between rounds as well, so we can catch up and see how we're going on that leaderboard on our tips as well, heading into action next week. Now I believe you've also been able to get away with the family. This week, Matty, and freshen up a little bit. That's always always nice. Yeah, no, we uh, we decided to take a little uh, midterm break and take the family over to Rottnest for four days. Uh, 
the kids love it. Any chance we get to go to the beach, they are. Uh, that's their happy place. So three days just uh, laying on the beach is uh, just what we needed before uh, finish the first term of school and um, before winter settles in. So perfect no, timing to, to do it when it's not school holidays. You would have had the beach almost to yourself. Oh, we did. The, our apartment was literally you open up the front door and you see the see uh, Thompson's Bay. So it was the ideal spot. And um, yeah, now we are. Uh, Really enjoyed any time we could go away together. We really enjoy it. No, I'm glad glad to hear it, Maddie, and I'm glad that you've, you continue to join us here on the Tap Touch Preview. Make sure you check out the tips, and we'll have we'll have your multi bet option as well available on Friday, thanks to Tap Touch. And let's hope we get to raise some money for charity. But for now, Maddie, thanks for joining us once again, and we'll be back next week. Thanks for having me on, Pikey. Okay, back now on Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle. I'm I'm back with the scoring machine, Sean Redditch. Now, we've already seen a couple of games in round nine of the season, week four of the NBL Cup, Sean, as we talked about before. The Breakers beat the Taipans, the Phoenix beat United. So let's start Thursday night, and why don't you run through what you expect to see over the next four days? Well, I like what I'm seeing from Vic Law, Nathan Sobey. I got the Bullets over the 36ers, you know, and they're, they're a chance to still take out this NBL Cup. So... They're, uh, you know, they're fighting for every point they can get, and uh, 36ers are still still down a few men. I think that the Bullets will take that one. The Kings-Hawks is an interesting one. Um, I'm not too confident on this one, but I just feel like the Hawks are going to figure it out at some point. I, you know, I thought it would be earlier than this. They've, they're in a funk, but they, uh, they need to get a win. Maybe playing against their arch rivals will help them. Um, and then you got the Wildcats-Breakers. On Friday night, I'm going to go with the Wildcats. We we like what we're seeing from the Breakers lately, but uh, mm. I mean that Wildcats team that played, if they play the way they played against the Hawks, they're almost unbeatable. Um, Taipans versus the Phoenix. I'm going to go with the Taipans just with so many injury concerns. I think the Phoenix. There's it's talk. Maybe with Brokoff playing. Well, there's talk Brokoff might play. Mm. Um, we haven't been confirmed yet in the, in the interview. He said Friday or Sunday. So, yeah. you know, it, it, he's going to be a bit rusty. He's been two weeks in quarantine. I know he's getting a few sessions in, but, uh, as a shooter, you need, you need more than a couple sessions after mm-hmm. you've been sitting in a hotel room for two weeks. Saturday, Bullets versus the Kings. I'm going to go with the Bullets. Hawks United. United get that one. And then on Sunday, the Breakers and the Phoenix. I'm going to go, I'm going to go Phoenix. On that one, being at home, um, I think Brokoff uh, either would be his first game or, you know, kind of second game where he can kind of settle in. And then uh, Sunday, the Wildcats versus 36ers. That could be a huge one to determine the NBL Cup winner. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go Wildcats. They they know what's going to be on um, at stake. And, uh, you know, they're going to be looking to get that that big win and that 300 grand for their club. Uh, It's going to be going to be a lot riding on it. Before I ask you who's going to win the NBL Cup, I want to pick up on a couple of things about that Wildcats 36ers game. First of all, we expect Brandon Paul to make his debut for Adelaide. Um, is that Do you see him similar to Brokoff where it's going to be tough for him to make an immediate impact? Yeah, I mean, I think with him, you know, he's kind of one of those guys that's built more on his, his athleticism. So he might be able yep. to have a little bit more impact than Brokoff, who's going to be probably a little bit rusty um, in that. So... You know, 36ers need him. I, I, I think he, you know, I think he could have a big, 
big share in that in that game because you know mm. teams aren't going to really know what to expect of him. You know, hopefully he's able to get a couple training sessions in, and, and mm-hmm. for the 36ers' sakes, they they need someone to come in and be a star and just be a yeah. revelation for them to be able to get back into the thick of things. And the second thing, is there any feeling do you feel from the Adelaide 36ers as they come up against their old captain Kevin White? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Uh, I'm sure there'll be a little bit of animosity. I'm sure Kevin Watt will be looking forward to uh, playing against him. It, it would probably be a little bit more intriguing matchup as Joey Wright was still on the mm. sidelines oh, for absolutely. the 36ers. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm sure to me it was more the management and the coaches versus Kevin Watt than really the players. Um, you know, I think the players really backed Kevin Watt and what he was trying to do. Mm. So. Um, I don't think it'd be an animosity from the playing group, but um, it'd be an interesting one. There'll be a lot of emotions, especially for Kevin White coming into that one. Okay, now for the NBL Cup. Um, now, after the results on Wednesday night, we've still got, I think we've still got the New Zealand Breakers that can still finish in that top three. The South East Melbourne Phoenix certainly can. Then we've got the Wildcats on top. We've got the, the Bullets second. Melbourne United are still in the mix. The Sydney Kings are still in the mix. So by Sunday night... Who finishes in those top three positions and who takes home some prize money? Well, I think you got to like the Wildcats. If they can win one out of those two, they probably will get it as long as they can get, win a couple quarters yeah. um, outside of that um, and, and if they lose one of those games. But, you know, even looking at their schedule, the Breakers and 36ers, that's probably easier part of the schedule than, than the mm-hmm. other teams. So I, I think they've got to be the favorites. If I was going to pick a dark horse, I would say Brisbane. Um, you know, they're sitting third at the moment, but, you know, they haven't played that seventh game either was Melbourne has. So I think that, uh, you know, they're probably a team that, that could, um, sneak up there and, and get that, um, and the outside chance for the Sydney Kings. But I, I, I still like the Wildcats in this one. I think they're right in, right in the box seat. I think you're right. What do you expect the clubs to do with that prize money? Does it go back to the players or do the, the clubs themselves pocket it, Sean? What do you think? Well, I know as a player, um, surely there's got to be some agreement with the player association that part of that's got to be split amongst the playing group. Um, oh, I don't know the exact, exact specifics on that, but I'd imagine you'd see a, a decent chunk going to the players and split amongst the playing group is there correct me is it just first that receives 300 grand and second receives nothing no 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 so it's 300 grand in total i think the breakdown is that the well correct me if i'm wrong i think the winning winning team gets 150,000 second gets 100 and third gets 50 i think yeah, that's okay. the breakdown okay so but Anyways, I think I think that the clubs really want to. Yeah, you know, I think there should be some. I mean, the players have been away for. I mean, the, look at the Wildcats; they've been away for six weeks in a hub and playing some mm. fantastic basketball. So there should be some benefit. I'm sure that would be the case. I'd be uh, I'd be disappointed if that wasn't. But I mean, in fairness, as well, these clubs are hurting. I mean, not being able to have fans at the games is. Uh, is a huge hurt to their finances as well. So, um, you know, I think any club could use it. But let's hope there's some good news around the horizon. I mean, RAC Arena can allow 75%. Um, hopefully 100% is coming mm. not too soon after. It seems like, fingers crossed, that the league has got uh, around the country has got control. And, you know, there might even be a chance where the New Zealand Breakers are able to go home and be able to play some home games, which would be great to mm. see. 
Absolutely. One last one, Sean. You mentioned a couple of weeks ago that Damo seems to be playing favourites on his Damo Award with Sunday Deck. Now, he's broken away even further on it, on the leaderboard for the Best Defensive Player Award. Does Sunday need to prove himself this week when he's trying to stop both Nathan Sobian and Bryce Cotton? Yeah, well, he's uh, he's got uh, his hands full. We talk about two of the best one-on-one players in the league. You're not mm-hmm. going to get much tougher than that. So I hope he slept well the last uh, <laughs> few few days in the in the NBL hub, and because uh, he's going to need it. I mean, those two guys are talk about being not only great players, but those two are the fittest players in the league. I mean, they, yeah. they never look like they're tired, and so uh, you know he's going to have to be chasing them around. So we'll see. See, I mean, you know, Sunday Dutch, great. Defensive player obviously has to be the favorite player that Damo has played against because um, you know <laughs> <Must be. laughs> his uh, his leaderboard. I mean, um, Damian Martin might get his trophy renamed the Sunday Dutch. <laughs> well, based on this, absolutely, He's, yeah, absolutely. But this is a chance for him to prove himself. And you're speaking of fittest, maybe the third fittest player in the league is Sunday. So it's a big challenge for him. So that's something we can come back and talk about next week, Sean. We'll have a full week to prepare for a normal round of action next week, so we look forward to that. We'll know who's won the NBL Cup by then. So thank you for making this show possible once again. Thanks to Hoop7 for their support. Thank you to Boomerang. Thank you to TabTouch. I'll sign off and leave you with The Scoring Machine. Well, thanks, Bucky. I mean, I just mentioned it briefly about the the New Zealand Breakers, but how great would it be to see them? They're now in contention. Get them to finally get to go home and play some home games. I think it would be awesome um, and just uh, something that, that they probably deserve after being on the road for a couple months now. Um, that would be a great sight to see New Zealand Breakers playing at home against some NBL teams. And, and let's hope that uh, the Trans-Tasman bubble uh, opens up both directions and uh, we can see some NBL action playing in New Zealand real shortly.